1: This week's episode of the Platinum Sobrero Podcast is brought to you by Celebrity Mugshot Ping Pong Paddles. If you're looking to dominate at some table tennis with some relative detainment, you need a Celebrity Mugshot Ping Pong Paddle. Bring your A-game with these shameful remnants of debauchery, including the certified Nick Nolte Paddle. Mash backhands with an official Charlie Sheen. Run up the score on your buddies with our best-selling line of Flavor Flaves. And if you're playing in a tournament, you know you can use a separate Lindsay Lohan paddle for every single opponent. Celebrity Mugshot Ping Pong Paddles. Put some shame in your game. Patent pending.
0: 51,000 plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Swung, fly ball deep left center, them on the run. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes! 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 The Atlanta Braves yes. have given you a championship. 25 lighters on my dresser, yes sir. You know I've got to get paid. To right center, and the have twenty-five lighters on my dressing, yes sir. You know our cops get paid. Swing and drive. Back to right, to the
2: Twenty-five lighters on my twenty-five folks.
0: Now get ready. This is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert.
2: Hello there everybody, welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero brought to you by Armchair All-Americans in conjunction with MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag, if you are looking to place a sports wager, is the place to go. They've got a knowledgeable staff, they are one of the most reputable in the business, they pay out quick, they pay out on time, they have all the best lines for you. Everything you could want to bet is on MyBookie.ag, live in-game betting. They've got all the lines set up for the playoff and the bowl games. If you're a Georgia fan like me and you're a little depressed about what happened, never fear. If you want to just kind of get over this hump, throw some money down on the Texas game. You know we're going to slaughter them. MyBookie has the best lines on there. They've got friendly staff if you have any questions, and they'll match your deposit up to 50%, up to $1,000. Go to MyBookie.ag, join the club, use our promo code BRAVES25 to get that special deal, and have yourself a good time. Now, We've got kind of a split show today. We're going to have an interview a little bit later with former Mississippi Brave, Jared James. Um, Phenomenal guy. One of of our favorite people that we've ever spoken to. Just maybe the nicest man in all professional sports. Can we just say that?
1: I'd say so. Really, really just a fantastic dude.
2: And we say it every time we have somebody on, but I think we've done a great job of having three phenomenal people on the show with Bruce Zimmerman, Patrick Weigel, and now Jared James. They're all great down-to-earth guys. And this one with Jared is really, really fun. Uh, such a down-to-earth guy who answers re- answer every question that we asked him. So make sure you stay tuned for that. You're going to really enjoy that one. But before we get into the interview, we do have some things to discuss. Um Right after we recorded our episode last week, the hot stove kind of exploded. Uh, everything seemed to happen all at once. Uh, we talked about the Braves signing Donaldson. That was a big key cog. And after that, the rest of the NL East was like, all right, hold my beer. And everybody decided to get on the action. The Mets made a stupid, stupid trade. Uh, I don't have any other way to, to say this other than Brody Van Wagenen. Not off to the best foot. He's looking, you know, Doc, he looks like he's never been a GM before.
1: What do you know? Somebody comes in who has never uh, been there before and, and just starts wheeling and dealing. Yeah, you know, Alex Anthopoulos, my, when he came in, he said, you know, he spoke to multiple GMs. When he was in Toronto, he came up through the ranks. He knew the players and everything. When he came to Atlanta, everything was new. said, don't make a big splash. Be calm, be calculated, be measured. See what and you got Bro- before
2: you blow your wad.
1: Right, and then Bertie Van Wagenen comes in and says, Nah, bump that. Our- Bump that. Yeah. I'm trading everybody. I'm trading everybody right now. Oh, can I take on some payroll too? I'd love to. We're winning you know, this year. Yeah, and the addition of – I mean, Cano, if if he goes back to his career norms, that is a good addition. Edwin Diaz, that's a good addition. It's a but great addition. Personally, you and I disagree
2: I, on Diaz a little bit. But, like, Cano's a good player. The problem is, like, you're paying him major money into, like, his 36 and 37 season.
1: Oh, the contract runs through through he's 40, you know, then they're getting they're getting a little bit of money on that. But that's still that's not nearly enough lot. to cover it. What they get, 20 million, 20 million spread out over over the next five years. Yeah.
2: So that's nothing. I mean, the dude's got, the dude got like a 140 million dollar contract.
1: It's a lot of money. And, you know, th- we saw a couple years ago when the Braves were selling off pieces, when they traded. BJ Upton and Craig Kimbrell, you know, the, you have to take on, you want the good player. Well, then you got to take on this huge onerous contract um, that has not no value, but um, compromise value. We'll say um, we've seen this before and it's just weird that this is the first move because the Mets have a lot of different moves to make. If right. they're going to compete.
2: You didn't think of three, you didn't think a closer would be like their selling point to taking on a bad contract. Like, I get that Cano, if he's healthy and doesn't get popped again, is a good contract, and there's not a whole lot of difference going from Safeco to City Field. They're both kind of sucky for hitters. So, like, his numbers shouldn't fluctuate too much. But now you're talking about having to play Cano in the field. Cano is a DH at this point. He can't move.
1: Well, and he just got busted for PED, so who knows how much of his durability has been directly related to uh, not being entirely clean. So who knows? Some of it can be subjective. It apparently was a diuretic and it was just a masking agent, but you know, why are you taking a masking agent? If you have, yeah. mask? let me,
2: so. let me tell you something. Nobody's taking a diuretic just because they want to lose some weight or sit on the toilet for an entire day. Let me promise you right. that. Uh, let me also promise yeah. you this to anybody who's, you know, who's super anti PED. That's fine for you to be. You need to realize something. Um, 85% I'll, I'll be conservative. 85% of professional athletes, professional baseball players included uh, are taking something or have taken something that is on the banned substance list. Uh, Because if you've never perused the banned substance list, you should know essentially everything is on it. Um, If you take any testosterone booster, you'll pop. If you take any estrogen blocker, you'll pop. If you take any diuretic, you'll pop. If you take creatine, you'll pop. Uh, it, it, it's this weird little notion of, of some cheating is okay. Like when you talk about pine tar with the Astros pitching, Oh, that's okay. Cause it's not that big of a deal. Uh, PEDs are obviously a big no, no, but you know, it, whatever. That's a whole different discussion. Just the deal, getting Cano and Diaz by itself, it wouldn't be so horrendously bad, especially getting the 20 million until you look at what they gave up. And they gave up your boy, Jared Kalanick along with Justin Dunn, along with, uh, who else was in that deal?
1: Uh, Jay Bruce, Anthony Swarzak, Anthony
2: Swarzak, who got traded right away after that, I believe. Um, But you gave up Kelenic and Dunn. And Kelenic, even though he was only rated number four in the Mets system, pretty much universally known as the best prospect in that system. The only reason he was number four was because of the limited amount of reps that he had last year after getting drafted.
1: Yeah, going going into the draft. Anybody who's listened to, been listening to TPS for a while knows that I was just every draft. I will attach myself to the one guy, and Jared Kelnick was my guy in this draft. Super balanced across the board. He's he can do everything really well. Um, legit shot to be a five-tool guy, and I just I couldn't believe as soon as because this trade was in deliberation for like eight days or, or however insane. long, and you start seeing all these names kicked around, and I'm like, please let them trade Jared Kelnick. That would be so mad. And they did, and they traded Justin Dunn, too, who is... Their best starting pitching prospect. Right. So, I mean, I will say this. It is very interesting to see somebody come in just with guns blazing, saying we're doing this now. There, there's no tear down, There's no waiting. We are going for it. So, my thoughts on the Mets are well documented. But I gotta say, the the gunslinger thing, it might come back to bite them. But for now, it's like, wow, this I mean, guy's. It's fun to guy, watch. Around.
2: It's fun to watch, but as we're going to cover in just a little bit, like they're they're trying to wheel and deal again, and they've got nothing left to deal with. Like their farm system is now k- 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 crap. Like. You've got Andres Jimenez, Mark Vientos. That's really it. Thomas Apecki, maybe, but that's
1: it. And uh, Peter Alonso, but I mean he's going to wind up plugging in relatively soon, so unless he gets dealt too. Yeah, I mean if if they are going to make a push, you know, like like you said, you know, the, the Braves have have made some moves, and there's obviously more coming. Um, the Phillies just got Segura and Nicasio. which and was Jake a and great Bezos. deal, by the way. Yeah, they they killed Seattle in that deal. and then. Depoto giveth and
2: Depoto taketh away. I was all set to say, "Wow, Depoto finally won a deal." Depoto made somebody else look stupid, and then he lets the Phillies make him look
1: like an absolute fool. And then, Washington just signs Patrick Corbin, and all of a sudden they have more than half a billion dollars tied up to three pitchers. <laughs>
2: so. Everything's deferred until like twenty thirty three
1: they're not even going to be able to field a roster in eight years because they, they don't have the <laughs> payroll space. So insane. But as it, as it pertains to this year coming up, you know, part of the reason, like, okay, this Braves team, we love them. And we got to, we got to see this. It was such a great Cinderella story. But part of the reason why this year's Braves team won 90 is because Washington underperformed because every single person on the Mets, including the mascot and half the beer vendors got hurt during the season. And the Phillies faded down the stretch. 2019, it is going to be a bloodbath. Somebody's going to win this division with like 86 wins. You know, it's going to be so tightly wound up at the top, and then you have Miami who will be lucky to win 32.
2: And you're you're right about the NL East. It's this year. You can say that the NL East this year is like the the NL Central last year, where mm-hmm. you can you have three teams you could say are playoff teams, a fourth who could be if everything rolls for the Mets, which it won't because it's the Mets. Um, but I mean, when you're talking about that Mets deal, like, there's probably five other places they need to upgrade. And to, to spend all that on a closer was just dumb. I know you got rid of Jay Bruce's contract, but Jay Bruce's contract is only a three-year contract. Yeah, it's a bad contract, but Cano's is a worse contract. That was, just, that was short-sighted. But for as good as DePoto probably felt about that, the Phillies deal, that's the one that I'm worried about. That was a phenomenal deal. For the Phillies to get Gene Segura, who's one of the more underrated shortstops in baseball, uh, a guy who's might be outside of like your your Lindor, your Seeger types, uh, he's your best tier two offensive shortstop, I'll say. He's got good power, good speed. His defense is nothing to write home about, but at the Phillies, you're talking about a team that rolled out as Drupal Cabrera as shortstop. It's still an upgrade defensively. I mean, that was a phenomenal get for them.
1: That was a. Um Matt Klintak is playing chess right now. The Phillies GM is because by including Carlos Santana in that deal, that's the part that that
2: nobody knows. Like you just sent Carlos all of Carlos Santana's money.
1: Like Phillies didn't have to pay any of it. Yeah. And now you can move Reese Hoskins out of left field and put him at first where he belongs. And that in itself, adding Segura, subtracting Santana and moving Hoskins. I mean, that is savvy. That was a good move. And they're talking about going
2: all in and spending money on Harper and and or Machado. There's talk about them doing both because the rumor, like 30 minutes before the Corbin signing was announced, or maybe even 10 minutes, it was said the Phillies are not going to be outbid by Patrick Corbin. And then the Nationals roll in with a six-year $140 million deal, so the Phillies don't get the pitcher that they were looking for. But they still got Juan Nicasio, who if you look at his surface stats, you're going to think he sucked. He had one of the most unlucky reliever seasons I've ever seen. Like a 6 ERA and a 2 FIP. It's unbelievable. Just goes to show you how bad the Mariners' defense was. Um, But then you get James Pazos, who, again, one of the weirder relievers I've ever seen. 97% of his pitches are fastballs.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a lefty specialist type guy. Um, They, I'm just... You know, there's there's obviously a little bit of logic in, in Seattle's side of it, I suppose. But um, I, for a salary dump, that was that's a weird one. That's a that's a really really strange one. You figured that you'd at least get a prospect back in the deal, not like Sixto Sanchez level, but like JoJo Romero, Adonis or,
2: Medina, maybe,
1: maybe. Yeah, I mean, you you figure that you could. You're not out of line asking for something like that, but um, Philadelphia has kind of you know we've known we've known that they were going to spend money and be creative uh, but man that's that's a good start and you know now that you've got an opening in the outfield and they've got the money to sign Bryce Harper well um Philly's gonna be legit next year you know and they're bringing back Nola and they're they're bringing back uh, a good young rotation yeah they're bringing back some of the, the good pieces from last year so maybe if Hoskins isn't playing left and he's playing first, he can actually focus more on his offense and of his defense, and maybe Kingery steps forward. I mean, Philly's going to be good next year, man. We There is no reason to think that the Braves are going to just stroll into consecutive division titles.
2: Just seems weird because J.P. Crawford, the, the centerpiece of that deal, his high comp was Gene Segura. So that, that's just a little bit odd there that that's who you wanted to trade Segura for. And then we talked about the Nationals bringing in Corbin. So while we laugh at them for having like $540 million wrapped up in three pitchers, That is a strong top three.
1: Yeah, it's about as good as any top three in the National League. And, uh, you know, Steven Strasburg, he can't really be counted on to give you 200 innings, but the innings that he will give you, by and large, are going to be relatively solid. Max Scherzer, if I was starting a franchise uh, and I could pick uh, any player in the non-Mike Trout division, I would choose Max Scherzer. And Corbin, he doesn't have the track record. Uh, but when he's good, he's real, real good. And his slider is uh, – he got over 100 strikeouts on his slider last year out of his 246. I mean, we are going to hate that signing for the next couple of years. And towards the back end of that contract – That's a bad deal well, after that.
2: I'm not as worried yeah. about Corbin, by the way, because if you want to ask me why I'm not all up in arms that the Braves didn't get Corbin, I'm not real big on slider-reliant starting pitchers. That's, you know, that that's a pitch that – most people realize that that's what you're throwing most often, and there's a reason why your number one pitch isn't your fastball. The well, same thing with Tukey. It's why I say with Tukey. If he doesn't ever get fastball command, then Tukey's not going to reach that top of the rotation thing because once people sit on that off speed, it's no longer as effective. So I'm interested to see how that works. I want to see how Corbin does because he's, like you said, no track record. Um, it was It was an amazing season for him to get it right when he needed to, but that keeps the Nationals in the hunt, and they're still – a very very talented team, even without Harper, Juan Soto, Victor Robles. Talk about Ryan Zimmerman. For some reason, can still hit, even though he can't field. Anthony Rendon is one of the top ten players in the NL. Uh, they, they've Trey Turner. They've got a ton of pieces there. If, if Adam Eaton is healthy at all, then that's a good team. Uh, the Braves, they haven't done much, but the the big rumor right now was uh, was it Craig Mish. Had the rumor uh, on that day where everything was going down that the Braves have a deal on the table for JT Real Muto. Which I can say for a fact that the deal that Craig Mish is talking about is not the same deal. Um, That that was basically what was offered is that was a deal that was offered during the season. Which the Marlins turned down. um, Which was Austin Riley and Mike Soroka for JT Real Muto and another player who I cannot name. Um, But that that deal is not the same deal. That was 100% a panic move because like 20 minutes before that was announced, the Astros signed Robinson Chirinos to a one-year, five-and-a-quarter-million-dollar deal, uh, and the Astros were the big team for the Marlins as far as trading Real Muto. So they threw that out there to try to drum up some, some interest, and what happens? Brody Van Wagenen takes the bait, and now it's being reported that the Mets are offering up Either Brandon Nimmo is who the Mets are trying to give up, the Marlins being the dumb Marlins are wanting Ahmed Rosario, uh, and it looks like that deal is going to get done. I mean, you're talking about who are the Mets going to give up? You've got if the Mets being the stupid Mets are trying to give up the best player out of the tandem of three uh, in Brandon Nimmo, which would mean that you're going to have to pair him with certainly Thomas Apecki, uh probably. Probably Mark Vientos as well.
1: I mean, Miami is kind of in the driver's seat here. They they can sit back and wait because are they though? traditionally? Well, real real Muto is he is the best the best catcher. But the more the market shrinks, which which is why as soon as the Chirito signings breaks and it's like, um, okay, well now we only have three teams that want this guy it's who's left it's like colorado and the, and the dodgers and, and the braves and and who who knows it with the if the braves are actually in or if this is just posturing or what so um they they can't afford to sit back and wait a little bit but if it drags out too long you just steady what? lose value
2: because now you've got two what? years on him
1: what percentage likelihood do you think that real muto is the opening day catcher for the Marlins in 2019 because nobody's going to pay the exorbitant price.
2: I would put it probably at about 40%.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you, you have to play your hand, but you can't overplay your hand. So, um,
2: I think they're going to want to make sure that they're not screwed on the deal, but I think that that is going to be the problem. Now, Brody van Wagenen being, uh, an agent who's playing at being a GM, he might be dumb enough to give them that and the Marlins might be dumb enough. If I'm the Marlins, I don't know why you want to med Rosario over Brandon Nimmo. Makes no sense. But
1: Yeah, that, that doesn't make sense.
2: Whatever. I mean, I'm sure if if the New York Mets need, need a catcher and getting Rio Muto makes them a much bigger threat in the East this season, but would absolutely kill that franchise in the next two years because you're going to have to give up. They've got no prospects left outside of Andres Jimenez, really. And if you've got to give him up in that deal... There's really not much way the Marlins lose that. They're not going to compete anyway, and nobody else is really knocking down their door as far as meeting the asking price. You've got them asking for Ozzy Albies, apparently, for JT Real Muto, which the Braves aren't going to do that. When you think that you have a catcher in William Contreras, who in two years himself you think is going to be one of those rare catchers who's good offensively and defensively. So why would you hamstring your team for a guy that's going to play 130 games?
1: And getting rid of Ozzy in the process. So, and like, and they they're asking for Ozzy Albies. they're asking for Brandon Nemo and Kyle Tucker, and they want major league ready pieces. Well, that's all well and good until you realize that, you know we've just been talking about for the last fifteen minutes, like this division, it's not just for this year. I mean, these teams are all setting themselves up for the next couple of years. So you have to take that measured approach where it's like it's okay to stockpile and hoard prospects. Because you can give them the time to develop to when maybe some of these other teams start to drop off a little bit. And then that's when you start to kind of make your push. As opposed to getting a guy like Nemo or even Rosario, who, who's just... It's the shine has come off the apple a little time,
2: bit. Shine has come off well, the Rosario apple a bit.
1: Well, even even still, like he's he's a major leaguer now. I mean, they're, they're trying really hard to field... A competent major league team but if you're you know how many games did the marlins win last year 67 you know (laughs) how much better 69 win team like people already aren't coming to games just bottom out already call somebody call baltimore and ask them how they're doing it they they did it wrong you know what i mean (laughs) but they they probably have some advice about how to how to go about doing this
2: however baltimore did it do it the exact opposite way
1: right that's that's good advice in in most regards. Even outside of the realm of baseball, Baltimore, the city, is scary.
2: Now the part on that would be obviously if you're a Braves fan. Now you're kind of seeing where the Braves go to hold serve. Um, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot added on. I think you'll. I think uh, it'll be later. Alex Anthopoulos is not wanting to meet the asking price for. Uh, for the relievers right now, because relievers are, are kind of very expensive right now, he's going to kind of wait and let everything play out. Now that all of the other, now that the first domino as far as pitchers has fallen, you're going to start to see the other guys start to, to go around. I think you see Alex go to one of these teams that's going to give out a big contract. He's going to swoop in and take a pitcher, whether it be a reliever or a starter that he likes.
1: I think I think that's fair. He's he's proven himself to be very opportunistic and not try and force things that that would make him make him overpay. So I, I think that's probably a pretty good shot. And, and who knows, maybe they've got some info in the, in the front office now where they're saying, well, you know, part of the reason with the bullpen falling apart was uh, so many rookie guys, Winkler and Biddle and everybody who just kind of faded down the stretch. Cause I'd never seen that type of workload before. Well, maybe they have faith that they're saying we can actually rely on these guys without having to shell out three top pitching prospects to go get Edwin Diaz or Whoever pick pick a trendy name, you know what I mean, or give
2: thirteen to fifteen million for Zach Britton, or give six years to Craig Kimbrel, which would be a nightmare. Like I, we talk about this a lot. Reliever is the most volatile position in baseball. It's also the easiest to replace. And the Braves did have a ton of rookie relievers who far and away surpassed their previous innings limits, and in some cases surpassed their career total limits last year. You talk about Biddle who finally got a taste of the bigs and his first half was outstanding. Most of his second half was as well until he started to fade down the stretch where he, where he crossed his innings threshold. Same thing for Dan Winkler. You've got some guys down in the minors. Uh, Thomas Burroughs is more than ready. Corbin Klaus, we've been talking about for a year or two. You've got some guys there. Now you do want a reliable veteran in that bullpen, not a Sam Freeman or a Peter Moylan. Ideally, I think you want a higher end, whether that be tier two, like a Familia type, uh, somebody who you can go to and you know he's going to get you what you need as far as some of these rookies who can be a little bit more, what's the word, a little bit more unreliable. You want to get a reliable type of guy, which I, I think that they will. There's talks about Joaquin, uh, was it? Uh, Joaquin Soria, who is yeah. not the pitcher that he normally was. But, again, it's a reliever. It's not a bad deal, really. It won't cost a whole lot. Kinley Jansen is still out there that you can talk to. There, there's still a few guys out there. Kind of pump the brakes a little bit. Kind of let this, this weird fest of, like, super exorbitant prices, let this feeding frenzy kind of slow down a little bit and kind of take a breath so you don't feel like you have to keep pace with the rest of the teams in the division.
1: And, and yeah, he's not he... – Anthopolis works on his own schedule he's he's not going to f- hear the footsteps he's not going to make some big reactive move i mean this this is good gms make make smart moves and and in the case of the Segura move that's a good move in the case of the Corbin move for the immediate future that's a good move and then there's the Mets but uh but yeah I, I don't think that Anthopoulos is going to be just kind of shoehorned into into forcing some big deal and giving up five prospects for trevor bauer i i think that a move is is going to happen i wonder if it would be best you know whether hanniger is available or not it's it's going to take some doing to pry him away since he's he's the only thing in seattle it's that's not uh that's kind of nailed down right now but uh you know maybe maybe it's best suited to go out and get one of the trade for a pitcher and sign a bat as opposed to trying to do it the other way around just based on the way the market is looking
2: I think the trade market is most definitely the way to go at this point. Uh, I think you're going to start to see a lot of the bigger tr- contracts start to fall. But enough of that. There's a few other news and notes that need to be talked about. We talked last week about uh, who might get non-tendered by the Braves. Turns out nobody. Sam Freeman is still on the team. Erodis Fiscaino is still on the team. Thank you, Mark Bowman, for that weird nugget. Um, <laughs> Adam Duvall still on the team. Is not not real shocking. Not paid a whole lot. Adam Duval's a guy that's much better than what we saw here in Atlanta. Um, fits a pretty good fourth outfielder mold. Everybody else is, is, is still maintained. Not shocking. Should be fine there. Uh, I'm a little shocked at Sam Freeman, but again, when he was healthy at the end of the season, he wasn't as bad as he was before, uh, and he's going he's gonna to have to earn a spot this year. It's not like he can't be released anyway. It's not like he's not going to make a ton of money to where you can't release him. Um, so we'll see how that goes. It looks like the Braves are just betting on some of those guys. Some of the bigger news, though... Uh, For all of you out there who are not big Joe Simpson fans, uh, Jeff Francoeur is replacing Joe Simpson in the TV booth. And, Doc, you listen on the radio a lot. How do you feel about getting Frenchie from radio onto TV?
1: I think that he's still a bit of a project. I I think that he's still very new at it, but you can tell a big difference from when he first started towards the end of the season. I think that uh, he really does understand the game a lot. He just has trouble kind of expressing himself. Uh, sometimes, in in the way that he that he wants to, I think it's a good move. I, I think that it says a lot about the Braves' willingness to kind of do the facelift on all fronts. And as much as they say that the Joe Simpson thing was not related to any of the kerfuffles that he had this year, <laughs> it most definitely was. Is, yeah, I think I think that's a bull face lie. Um, it was, it was just weird. The whole, like the whole, that uh, whole situation, like the K cancer thing with the Dodgers and then the Soto thing, like two weeks later, that was, it was all weird. So I, I think this is a good move. And, and apparently, uh, Tom Glavin is going to be spending a little bit more time in the booth as well. Uh, Joe's not being completely banished to radio, but it's probably, um, this is probably for the best. I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, did, do you like Frank Gore or or do you wish that it was somebody else?
2: I like Francoeur. I think he's kind of reticent to use some of the newer stuff, but that's okay. I think the difference in Francoeur is even if he's not into the newer style of stats, it doesn't really matter to me what you're into. What Francoeur brings is an actual love of the game, and that's what you miss with Joe Simpson. Is Joe Simpson seemed like he hated the game of baseball and you know refused to learn anything about the new style, which even if he wanted to be old school, he just sounded like he did not enjoy the game. With Francoeur, even if you don't agree with what he's using – there's no denying that he's got that passion for the game, which makes it an easier listen.
1: Yeah, he's, he is very enthusiastic. He is very, very enthusiastic. And, and it'll and be Joe, fun, as he
2: It'll be fun to hear Frank Hoor calling McCann at bats.
1: Yeah, yeah. apparently uh, he's going to sit down and interview McCann sometime this week. I'm very curious because, I mean, God, those guys have been friends for I mean, their entire lives. They're right. both Gwinnett County kids who, who were the best at their respective positions when they came up, so. That's
2: cool. That should be fun to see. I'm, uh, I'm interested to see how it turns out on the radio with Joe being mostly on the radio with Jim Powell. Um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But the Braves also now have a pitching coach. We just stole Rick Kranitz away from the Phillies, who kind of inexplicably got let go as the Phillies pitching coach. Uh, Phillies guys, had a, their starting pitchers had a really good year. Uh, three of the pitchers in the top 15 in ground ball rate, 150 less walks than the Atlanta Braves staff. Aaron Nola had took a giant leap forward and became one of the aces of the league like everybody thought he had the talent to do but nick pavetta might have been the most impressive as far as leap forward nick pavetta went from like a five era type of pitcher into being a very good pitcher
1: yeah and and that phillies team we railed on the phillies defense all year and rightfully so i mean it it was it was pretty bad but uh, you look at ERA versus FIP. They were 11th in ERA and second in FIP. Pavetta is a perfect example. He had a 4.8 ERA, and his FIP was a full run lower than that. So, pulling you're getting the tutelage of a guy who who is preaching these types of things and and helping some of the Atlanta pitchers now with an elite infield defense. I think could be huge and and even if it's just microscopic little tweaks that he's making with mechanics or anything if he can help knock off some of those walks for the stars and the relievers i mean there has to be it's just little competitive advantages whatever you can get no matter how little it's it's humongous so in this division next year that's gonna be that's gonna be huge and i also find it funny that the Braves requested to interview Chris Young, who was the Phillies' assistant pitching coach. And, <laughs> and that's why and Kranitz Philly- was let go. Yeah, and, and so they said, oh, well, we're going to we were gonna make Chris Young our full-time pitching coach. And they're like, yoink, okay, we'll take Rick Kranitz. We'll- which, Thank you.
2: it's awesome. It's like, oh, I'll take either one of these guys. Oh, cool, I get the one who you know did all that. And the good thing about Kranitz is he is a very good communicator, which at times you kind of feel like the Braves haven't had lately guys who are good at getting a point across in a way that the younger guys can kind of relate to and understand. Kranitz is supposedly very, very good at that, which is good news, because if your pitcher likes his pitching coach, it's much more likely to be a success.
1: Yeah, and Chuck Hernandez, he made great strides with faulty, but also a lot of the work that was done with Julio. Some of it had to do with the fact that Julio was losing velocity, but I mean, it just there was this contentious relationship with Julio and Roger McDowell before, and apparently Roger McDowell and everybody had a contentious (laughs) relationship. And, uh, and then moving on to Chuck. And now hopefully this is, you know, this is going to be like a new era, new, everything about this team seems new. And I, I think that this, I don't think that this hiring is a mistake. Once again, like we talked about the trades, they didn't rush into this. They were very calm and methodical about who they wanted to choose. So I think this is a, a really, really good choice.
2: I'm really excited about that. And I am also really, really excited because it is time for our listeners to get to hear our sit down with Jared James. Doc, are you ready to blast this perfect piece of listening pleasure into our listeners ears?
1: I cannot wait. I'm so excited for everybody to hear this.
2: And without further ado, everybody, we bring you a Jared James. would like to welcome into the show... How can I put this? Braves legacy, I guess, has got the best father story maybe of all time in Major League history. You know him from the M Braves, one of the genuinely nicest guys to follow around on Twitter. Jared James. Jared, what's going on, bud?
0: Doing pretty well. Thank you for the kind words. You know, just really appreciate you guys having me on board. How's everything going with you guys?
2: We are just living that off-season life now that the, uh, the hot stove has been lit uh, and somebody seems to be trying to burn the house down. Oh,
0: uh, <laughs> How's the off-season been for you, man? Man, the off-season's been pretty well. I um, really can't complain. I was actually in Dominican Republic for about a month um, playing a little winter ball with my team. People don't actually know this, uh, but my mom is Dominican. How that came about. Um, my dad was actually playing winter ball, um, various cities around Dominican Republic, and he stuck mostly with the Estrellas. And so he would actually go back and forth in between off seasons playing and all of that. I mean, so they were having a long distance relationship. And so eventually, you know, they decided to move to the United States and get married, have family. And then here I am. And so from my mom, actually to able to participate in the Dominican Winter League as a Dominican player. And so I'm actually a part of the aglas and so I was actually out there for a whole month I've had a really good time um, they actually did have some let come from overseas earlier than they expected from Mexico and Korea and then so they decided to let me go home um, but after that so I was just working working out um, and so it's, it's been going pretty well but they really can't complain
2: now we got to <laughs> get the the bad thing out of the way early uh, we were a little disappointed and shocked and a little hurt to see that uh you weren't with the Embraves braves anymore or, or even in the organization anymore, man. That, that sucks. I, we really enjoyed your breakout season a year ago.
0: Yeah. yeah, man. Hey, I really appreciate you guys. And, of course, you, you guys were not actually the only ones. I've had others on social media contact me, really looking forward for me to come back to the Embraves And, I, honestly, I was really excited because um, the whole Mississippi area was really uh, a pleasant surprise for me. Coming from California, I had a lot of people really skeptical about the whole Mississippi area. And I had nothing but great things to say about Mississippi. I really liked the area, and the fan base was phenomenal. Um, For the players especially, they had a really good host family system, and you really couldn't beat it. And, um, you know, I have nothing but love for Mississippi. I wish I was there to start the season, um, but that was not the case. Um, But, you know, I did have a really nice time in Florida for the meantime. And I did so happen to have a lot of family in Florida. So on the flip side, I did have people come see me that were not able to see me otherwise. So with that, at least we're able to take what we can from the situation. But no doubt, I really would have liked to be in Mississippi again to do a repeat of an encore season. So, But, you know, those, those are just some of the things you, you just can't control. But, you know, we do what we can.
2: That's the really that's the bad part about – really pro baseball in general. I mean, you, you work so hard to get to that spot. It's You'd never, ever really have a, any security at any point that can happen. But you, you've been a winner pretty much everywhere. I mean, you were on that Rome team that was dominant. Uh, your Mississippi team had some outstanding players. You were one of the few players that had that uh, that initial jump where you skipped Florida the first time and went straight yeah. from Rome to Mississippi.
0: Yeah, and you know what was so unique about the situation was during that spring training season, I was actually – Um, affiliated with our single-A team. I wasn't even on our high-A team. And so I thought, okay, I had a really good year in Rome. I was only there for maybe a month or so, coming off of a really hot Danville start. And, you know, I hit the scene, just an amazing start with Rome, hitting back-to-back game, deciding home runs in the first two games I was with them. And then so I thought, you know what, maybe they thought it was a flash in the pan. Let's do it again, show them what I got. But then all of a sudden I got, you know, one of the best surprise I could have ever imagined was being in the double-a spot because being in double-a is that's no slap on the wrist you know you could be a phone call away from the major leagues and you know whatever you put up in double-a is going to be respected across all organizations you know and so for that reason i was very excited you know at the same time you know a lot of pressure was on because you know the way i'm in the organization i'm a senior sign a lot of people don't have high expectations for me so you know, I'm kind of working against the stream because it's like, okay, if he's any good, let him prove it. And so, for me, coming off my draft season straight into a on a part-time basis, and to really try to figure out a routine, to get into a rhythm, to really perform, it really didn't start off well. If you look at my numbers, I did struggle a lot in the part early part of the season, and then I really figured it out my second half. And I had a really good manager, uh, Louis Salazar. He really um, gave me some confidence and said, "Hey, man, look, I I know you can play ball. Just relax." It's, it's just a game, and, uh, you know, he really settled me down a little bit, and he had confidence to put me in the lineup at times and when I, you know, technically, untechnically, kind of, you know, the business of baseball. I wasn't even supposed to be in the lineup, but there I was, and then, you know, he gave me an opportunity to play and play a lot toward the end of the season. I ended up being our primary leadoff hitter, and I took off, and it was just an amazing time, and the team really – gel together at that time especially with me being in the leadoff position being able to provide um, that offensive spark to really get things going and it, it was a lot of fun a lot of fun i really appreciated that
2: the fun i mean if you look at your numbers you're nothing if not steady man i mean everything low strikeouts high walk rates perfect for for leadoff spots you got that speed to you as well you pretty much did the same thing everywhere you played it was fun to see now i gotta ask you though you got to see basically all the pitchers that all of us fans have been salivating over since the rebuild started. So yeah. I'm going to go ahead and throw this super hard question at you, and you have to answer, honestly.
0: Uh, uh-huh.
2: Who's the best?
0: Oh, man, that's, that's honestly a really tough question, <laughs> like you just said. <laughs> because, like, especially in Rome, you know, seeing everybody, because we had everybody full tilt. I mean, you have Freed, Soroka, Aller, Tuki, everybody – I mean, I didn't even get to see Weigel, really until 2017 in the first part of um, the Rome. I mean, the Mississippi season, and then unfortunately he went. Um, he got called up to Triple A, and then he got you know Tommy John and all that stuff. And and seeing him dominate was just a whole nother ballgame. And so it was just unbelievable. But for me, what I was going to say about a pitcher, because this is actually kind of a pro tip for any hitters that are looking to get something out of this, if for whatever reason they might listen in, one of the things that hitters should really look at that uh, may often be neglected is what the pitcher is doing after they throw a pitch because through the longevity of a game, it's tough to hide your emotions because uh, as competitors, we want to succeed and we want to succeed as, as, as much as we can. And for that reason, we put our emotions out and then we actually reveal ourselves. And so when I see pitchers throw pitches and they show body language, negative body language. Say they grimace, say they kick the dirt, or say like they, they catch the ball from the catching, they're frustrated. And I register that as a hitter and I'm gonna bank and I coming back with that pitch because depending on the count, you know, they need a strike, they're gonna go with whatever their ace pitch is. So oftentimes that may be a fastball or let's say they're spiking their change up. And now let's say it's like they're still ahead of the count, but now they still want to throw an high speed pitch. I can kind of guess curveball. And I've actually gotten – I took an advantage of a lot of pitchers, especially in the double-A level, for that reason. And I'll say one pitcher that in the Braves organization where I've noticed is completely composed just throughout the game, and I love him for it, was Mike Soroka. Like Soroka, he was just so monotone and just so, it doesn't matter. He could spike something in the dirt. He's like, yep, no problem. I'm about to do that. I'm setting all of you guys up. I'm about to strike all you bums out. Here we go. <laughs> it was like, and it was just phenomenal to see. It was just like nothing ever fazed him. He could have give up back-to-back doubles. Nope, I'm cool, guys. Don't worry. That's just one run. That's all they got. Here we go. And it was just, just like clockwork. And so for that reason, like, and no doubt everyone has phenomenal stuff. But if, aside from the stuff is the mindset and the composure to be able to execute. And I give Mike Soroka that edge mentally. Absolutely.
2: Glad to see that. That's Soroka's a- <laughs> been a favorite of this show for, uh, for a long time. And Patrick Weigel, friend of the program, who we've actually had on before. I, want, I do have one more before I uh, let Doc steal a little bit of thunder here. Tukey's Curveball – Soroka's sinker Colby's changeup which was the more dominant pitch just watching where you're just kind of like holy crap
0: Man, you know, I wish I would have played with Tukey in 2018 because I was watching some highlights and his curveball looked absolutely outstanding and it's always been outstanding, but especially in certain counts where he, he's got everything working and it's like, what's he coming out with next? Because he's going to throw a curveball that everybody's going to be ducking over, but it's right on the black and everyone's striking out looking crazy like they never had played baseball in their life. But on a consistent basis, watching Soroka sinker, and it's like I'm in the outfield just like, why is nobody swinging? And then I look at, at the video, and it's just like, he's just paint, 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 sinker, and it's just like 90, 94, 95 sinker just right at the bottom of the zone, and everybody's taking it for a ball low, in a strike three. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this guy's just phenomenal. I don't know how he, how he does it, but he's doing it. Just keep doing it. <laughs> you
1: know? That was one of the things about Soroka that always stood out, from even from the that very first season, was, you know, how is this kid? He's 18, and he's, you know, you never drop a Greg Maddox comp on anybody. But I've never seen anybody that I was comfortable enough to do it uh, as much as I have been with with Soroka. Just pinpoint precise location. And and like you said, just completely unflappable no matter what's going on, super
0: composed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Soroka is a really good guy. Even off the field, like Sabo, he's there's something about his personality. Like that's actually like how he is. He has a lot of fun, but at the same time, he he just is just so composed about whatever he does. And so it's it's actually kind of funny to see him pitch and and really even express that into his competitive nature to say, okay, you know, I just got tunnel vision. I got one thing on my mind. I'm going to go out and execute, and it doesn't matter how it looks. I'm just going to keep going. Thighs for days too. Amazing.
2: Thighs for absolute days. He's a monster hockey player type of guy. But uh, that's enough talking about some other players. Let's, let's get into uh, talking about you a little bit. You've got some sweet stories. As we mentioned coming in, you're a legacy Brave. So we got to talk about that. How cool is that to not only get drafted by the Braves, you got drafted by the Braves twice.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I, I really got to give a shout-out to the Braves for sure for that because I was actually drafted in 2014 out of junior college out of uh, my city, uh, Sacramento City College. And it was it was a really fun time for me, coming off of a really good year. And then even to say that I went back to college after that, opportunity to become a professional athlete, which, you know, all of us aspire to do. But for the reasons that, you know, for the betterment of my future, I decided to go back to college. And then, you know, later on, getting drafted again by the Braves, that, that really helped me you know first of all achieve my goal of of course of becoming a a professional baseball player but also to have that opportunity once again because you know my dad also played for the Braves had really good years with the Braves and then also you know my the very first team that drafted me drafted me twice so that's actually something that you know for me showed a little bit of loyalty showed a little bit of uh you know wants for me so I was coming into an organization that had a history that really wanted me. So I had a really good feeling, you know, even though I was a senior sign that I was going to have an opportunity to to really perform and be judged based on performance and not any of the other business type of things. And, you know, that was actually settled down really quickly uh, from minor league director at the time, Dave Tremblay came in, coming out of Cal Poly Pomona. And uh, he's really familiar with uh, the program over there. And so, you know he took me to the curve and said hey man if you give me a hundred i'm gonna give you a hundred and forget whatever happened before it's all about right now so if you, you show me what you got and you can play man we'll let you play I said okay and so from then on i i played and i got more opportunities and so i i thank him for that and thank the Braves for that opportunity to show show what i got while i was there so absolutely
1: and i asked somebody who are- i'm sorry go ahead doc do you already have a, a loyalty to the Braves b- before you even got drafted by them? You know, your your dad Dion played uh, played for the Braves, but he, he also played for the Brewers, the Indians, and the Yankees. So I was just curious whether or not you kind of were hoping it would be one of one of those teams that you already kind of had associated yourself with.
0: Yeah, I was actually there was a little loyalty to that um, even growing up and uh, different. Little league teams and stuff like that. We we'd be one of my dad's teams, and I, I personally was like I like I just like the Braves, and of course, growing up um as a youngster, the Braves were, were the hot team, and and they were always doing really well, and so there was it was kind of like my team. Aside from the fact that my dad actually did play for that team, and so to be actually picked up by the Braves initially, and then for a second time, it it really just kind of hit the nail in the head for me that yeah, you know. I, I do have a little soft spot for the Braves, no doubt.
2: Now, as, a, as still an undrafted free agent myself, what was it like to go through the draft process twice? I can only imagine how stressful it is the first time. But to go through it twice yeah. seems insane.
0: Yeah, no, going through it twice, especially thinking about what's going to happen with your career because, once again, um, the ability to become drafted is, is just so nerve-wracking because there's a lot that's out of your control. And coming from the low rounds that I was coming from, a lot of times you're thinking about, Well, what's gonna happen if I don't get drafted? Because that's a legitimate question. You know, what are you gonna do? You're gonna go play independent ball are you trying to go to try to free agent, or are you gonna try to figure something else out? Is this what's gonna happen? You know? And especially the fact that I was already drafted before to think that, you know, maybe this opportunity to play professional ball with an affiliated team might not come around again. You know, that was actually a lot to bear on your shoulders to think about that. You know, then you started thinking to yourself, wow, did I make the right decision? You know, maybe going to college wasn't such a good thing because now I'm not going to get drafted again. And then, you know, it's just like total, you know, spiraling out. But, you know, I had a really good support system with my friends and family. Um, Actually, both draft days, you know, we didn't even watch the draft. We just had, like, a little pool party or had a bunch of friends over and just, like, had a good time. You know, summertime, a lot of people out of school, and so it was actually worked out fine. So I didn't, you know, even stress about it. Of course, it was on my mind. I'm not just going to ignore it. But to say that that's my total focus is, you know, just get just for me when I have things that are really pressing and out of my control for the most part, you know, you're only causing more stress if you're thinking about it because you can't do anything to help it. It's, it's just either going to happen or it's not. And thankfully it happened for me. All
2: right. So what we like to do during the offseason, we, we like to do uh, player profiles. So it actually <laughs> helps that we've got you on here. We're going to have you scout yourself. Give us your rundown of Jared James, the baseball player.
0: <laughs> All, right. All right. So on your player profile, so. Do you guys have any number system to this, or is it just kind of like
2: tell us what you're good pounds? at, tell us what you're worst at, tell us what your bad pitch is, tell us who you comp yourself to? So okay. Doc and I do a lot of uh, do a lot of evaluations and stuff like that. So this is kind of cool. Let, let's see where you hit at. We can see kind of uh, which where
0: either one of us were thinking. See if we're right on the money there. Okay, um, I would say, you know, I I do, you know, swing the bat pretty well. Um, I can. You know, make solid contact, gap to gap, able to, you know, be all over the lineup wherever you need me, whether it be leadoff, three-hole, even at the end of the lineup to get things started. So that way I can be utility. I do have some power and do have some speed. So a cool little mix. Um, You know, defensively, I can play all outfield positions, primarily left field, especially with the Braves. We have a phenomenal resource of outstanding outfielders, whether it be Pache, Carnaline, you know, even at the time, uh, Ray Patrick did her in 2016, having over 20 assists, which is absurd. And, you know, we're just surrounded by all these idiot outfielders, so I was just in left field. So I did I did good for what I was doing over there. And then, and then uh, So, yeah, I mean, as far as, like, comps and stuff, I have to confess a little bit, I haven't made too many Looks around. I I just try to focus on myself um, to make it a true comp. I I try to try to model myself a little bit of, you know, try to be a little bit everything. I don't want to be just one thing or another. I know a lot of guys. Even my dad, um, he and I were talking about this as far as like how the one-dimensional the game has become with more of like people are trying to model their swings off, you know, the big fly all in or Nothing, you know, high strikeout rates, but trying to increase the home run rates and stuff like that. Um, for me, it's like, you know, sure, you want to hit, make hard contact in the air, especially pull side. As a lefty, most fields actually are shorter for the right field, and so that is actually to my advantage, you know. But especially middle, you know, moving toward left field, um, you know, just keep that up the middle of the with a line drive swing. And, you know, things will happen for you pretty well, you know? So, but as far as like other, other players in the game currently, you know, I can't, I can't really say much on that. I'm, I'm sure you guys have a little <laughs> bit more for me to say who I can compare myself to. So, uh, I'm dying to hear what you guys have to say on that for sure.
2: I always got a lot of a Marquecus vibe. It's somebody who handles the bat, doesn't strike out, takes his, takes a good count for the most part. You, you're not a big, uh, uh, quick pitch swinger. Really, you like to see what the pitcher's working with. When you're working at the yeah. top of a lineup, that's a big thing. Uh, a guy that that can work to all the fields too. I always got a bit of a Marquez vibe off you. I like I like that.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Especially like for me as a hitter, I'm very comfortable. You know, get, going deep in the counts and hitting with two strikes. You know, that doesn't really bother me much. You know, I trust my ability to make contact and make solid contact and to actually study my pitchers and to, you know, be diligent because, you know, baseball is obviously a studious game, and you want to understand, you know, more of, you know, your opponent, you know, especially, you know, we work really hard in the off season and spring training to get a feel for how we're feeling, making a little bit of adjustments. and You know, we make adjustments in season as well, but, you know, especially when it's time to play the game, it's time to play the game. Let's talk about the pitcher. Let's talk about how he's getting people out. Let's talk about his sequences, and you know we'll we'll work with whatever we have. So, yeah, and for that reason, I don't feel, you know, sped up or rushed whenever I when I'm up to bat. If if I feel like I can take a pitch, kind of see his rhythm, see what he's going, in the direction with that bat, and, and I can get an understanding of how he wants to pitch, and that's fine with me. And you know, there's more than one I bat in the game, so unless you're pinch hitting that. And I learned that in double A too. So that was a whole nother ball game. whole nother mindset, isn't it?
2: It's a whole different mindset when you're up there pinch hitting. Now, just from the limited experience I had, obviously not near what you had yourself. Every hitter has a kryptonite pitch. Uh, I had a particular problem hanging, uh, hanging off of the low and away slider. What is your kryptonite pitch? If you want to give away that information.
0: Yeah, no, I have no problem talking about it. Um, for me, it's not a kryptonite pitch. It's you know a kryptonite setting, of when the umpire calls a fastball that's a ball away a strike. <laughs> that
1: <laughs>
0: that kills me. You get, do you do the turnaround, Absolute, or do you or do you
2: stay looking like, at the pitcher and mumble under your breath at him to where you know he can hear you?
0: No, I just look somewhere up in the sky like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> Common balls away strikes. You know, because then what happens is like okay, because I'm off the plate, like I'm covering that outside. But you know, if you want to come inside, I'm quick enough to get my hands in. So now, what am I going to do? Am I going to scoot up into the plate, and then you see me scooting on the plate, and you're going to pitch me inside, or you're going to just keep spamming the outside, and this crazy umpire is going to keep on calling the balls <laughs> away strikes. And then it's like, oh, here we go. You know, so it's like, and then I'm swinging out of my zone, and it's like, it's a ball. I'm looking at video after the game. It's a ball, but he's calling it a strike. So you got to deal with it. So and it happens
1: for some of the the minor league umpires or at least some of the major league guys like Angel Hernandez is the, has the really bad uh, reputation as being one of the worst umpires is it a similar thing in minor league ball where it's like oh geez, Dave is behind the plate today I'm going to I'm going to get I'm going to get killed by
0: this guy <laughs> Yeah I mean I'll be honest with you It's funny when uh, especially at Double A it's like we would literally not just look at the pitchers but who's behind the plate that day we scout the umpires to say, okay, you know, this guy, don't be surprised, close call, and with strike two, if you get rung up, you guys can't complain because you know this guy's not the greatest, you know, being very polite, (laughs) (laughs) you know? But it's it's a real thing. It is definitely a real thing thinking about these umpires. Um, If I personally knew an umpire's name, that's not a good thing. Right? Right. Right. They want to be seen.
2: You want to see them but not be able to, like, address them by name because that means you've been yelling at them
0: exactly if 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 your presence is so dominant that it ups, disrupts the game like you you you're making bad calls you got both benches yelling at you you got the the pitcher putting his palms up you got the hitter looking back like all right i'm, I'm you're gonna maybe say something right now but i'm I'm holding it in just for now you know so it's like okay there's something wrong you know did you get to, you ever get tossed for arguing balls and strikes? Did it finally just boil over? For me, no. Thank goodness, because uh, that that would not have been well. Um, you know, but for other players of mine, like, cause, cause usually, thankfully, at least when when it happens to me, it's like we'll we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Like usually, because I was especially as a leadoff hitter, like stuff would happen to me, and then it's like, okay, whatever. Certainly in the game, whoop de whoop. You will, we'll let you slide, but don't let it happen again. And then later on in the game it happens to somebody else. and then, then that's when you know people start yelling, coaches start getting a little antsy, and uh, you know, especially, you know, what kills me is worse is that. These umpires I don't know if they get a little emotional or whatever, but all of a sudden it's like they start calling strikes on us, and then when the other team is up, then they call balls. and, and then everybody loses their mind. <laughs> get your feelings <laughs> then, hurt a little bit back there. You know, but I mean for me, hey, I believe it, I definitely thought about getting passed out one time, but hey, I I just held it in. I'm like, you know what? We'll we'll live to see another day. I'll I'll save my money, I'll save my, my, my time, we'll, we'll we'll be back tomorrow. And I'm gonna get you back. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good attitude.
1: That's
0: that's always that's a good thing.
2: Not many players can say they've never been tossed. Uh, there are plenty that should have been tossed and did not for whatever reason. Do you ever have a yeah. pitcher that just made you look foolish? Because I've had uh, I had one. I, I distinctly remember a game where uh, it actually ended. I lost us the game essentially on a strikeout where a guy threw a curveball at my head, a Tukey style, and I ducked out of the way like a little. Uh, how can I put this nicely, uh, as like a little (laughs) vagina and, uh, it dropped right down the middle belt high. And, uh, that was a, that was, that was a fun one. My coach actually, uh, made me sit out for the next game for that one.
0: Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh man, that's tough. Yeah. Actually something, I don't know. It might rival that. Um, that happened to me in Danville. So it was two outs. Um, We were definitely going to lose. I think we were down by five or something. So we didn't have a good game at all. And uh, so I got a runner on first base and uh, two strikes. This guy, this right-hand pitcher, throws this wicked changeup that that plays like a left-handed curveball. It just went down the middle and then just faded so far away the catcher's sweeping for it. And I'll tell you what. I don't know what I was thinking with two strikes, but I decided to swing at that and the bat. (laughs) flew out my hands and went toward the pitcher for strike three and so they're they're high five and and i have to walk by all of them just to go get my bat after i strike out <laughs> the end again <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's no worse feeling than that yeah. you walk back to the dugout oh, yeah. everybody's just staring at you in silence
0: right no, no, no. Nobody's even in the deck. Everybody hustles off the field. I'm walking off the field with my head down. I walk into the clubhouse. Nobody says a word. I'm just, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah, oh. it, it definitely happened.
2: That, that's that's the not as fun part of the game when you get that, or the uh, you fall to a knee to swing on a changeup where you're you know, about three seconds too early get that one where the bat comes flying out of your hands or, you know, there, there's a whole host of fun little tips on there. Um, right. <laughs> have you been talking
0: to anybody, any any news right
2: now that you can break, any teams in particular that you're uh, going after?
0: Um, not any affiliated teams just yet. I know I've, I do have opportunities in independent leagues, but for me, I, I definitely want to stay in an affi- affiliated ball. Um, I do have my agent. Uh, getting ready to go to these winter meetings, just trying to see, uh, you know, what teams are thinking as far as, you know, futures, who they want to sign at the major league level and also what they can afford at the minor league level. And so we'll we'll see. It's still a little bit early. I know this is a great time of the year because, you know, people are getting signed and it's it's really nice this offseason because I've seen a lot of minor league signings and also some minor leaguers get signed to major league deals for the first time ever. And you know that's a really nice thing, nice thing to see, uh, especially for you know guys like me because last off season it was a whole lockdown. You know, veteran major league guys that put up numbers are going to spring training with, with no affiliated teams at all, and it's like you're looking around. It's like, is anybody getting signed? You know, but right now it's, it's a good signing period, um, particularly for me as an outfielder. I, I I think what's really going on, you know. Let the big names kind of fly out the window, let them get signed, and then you'll really start to see a little bit more of movement. and hopefully for me, I'll have more answers to say, okay, this is this is what we got going on right now. So as of right now, nothing, but as you know the prospects of what I think can happen, i'm I'm very hopeful for what the future holds.
2: We hope, now, you, you brought up the minor league guys and uh, seen a lot of your guys get signed, a lot of your friends getting signed to bigger contracts now, the major league contracts. We actually had a little point yeah. on here. Uh, we haven't been able to ask an actual minor league player about this. Uh, it's come into a lot more focus in the last year, maybe two, the the minor league wage scale. And uh, when we had Patrick on here, he was telling us about what he does You know, when he was heard and during the offseason. He drives Uber. Uh, and He's actually a five-star Uber driver. He wanted to let everybody know. What, uh, yeah. all the minor leaguers, you guys have your guys' schedule is, is probably a little bit more strenuous than a lot of the major league guys because you got to focus on baseball the whole time and you got to work outside of that. What did you do during, right. uh, what did you do during the offseason?
0: Yeah, and you know, obviously, you're talking about that, uh, pay scale and so it's almost impossible for a minor league player to, you know, sustain himself just off of whatever he makes in the minor leagues and. Be comfortable. You have to definitely do something in the off season. And as for me, I did a few things in my offseason. And uh, what I'm most known for actually is substitute teaching. And so this is something I picked up in 2016 um, after my first season in baseball. And so what I would do is in California, um, they have this program. If you had a bachelor's degree, you can go ahead A basic exam test they say you can teach levels from all the way up to high school, even as low as kindergarten. And even I got involved with programs with kids with special needs, as well as uh, kids in correctional facilities and, you know, all of those things. And so I was really all over the county of the greater Sacramento area and, you know, teaching. And I had a really good time, really, you know, an eye opener for me and the experiences that I had. and It was a really – good time and so and with that you know thankfully you know california does have a, a really nice uh pay scale for their teachers i know uh if you look around the nation really um one of the bigger problems that are really being proposed right now is the scale for how much the teachers make and uh, you know that's actually a really big issue especially in, even the, even in the university level um even while I was going to college, they were thinking about having strikes and uh, not even having school anymore because of how low the professors are getting paid. It's a really big issue, um, but at least for substitute teachers, for what I was looking for, for my needs, I was you know I was taken care of, and I, I really appreciated it, but that was something that I was involved in, absolutely.
2: Plus, if you're a professional baseball player and you're a substitute teacher, you're instantly like the favorite sub.
0: Yes, and, and that was something that I used. I would, I would go into classrooms, and, you know, the kids, the first question was, how old are you? Because especially when <laughs> I was drafted, I graduated and all that. I'm, I'm 22 years old, especially in my senior classes. A lot of them are 18, 17 years old, so I'm no more than four or five years old than these kids. I'm just a big brother in the classroom, and, and I'm the teacher. So I was like, hey, you know. so And oftentimes, for that reason, one of the biggest problems a subject teacher has is actually getting the students invested to cooperate with what's going on in the class.
2: Did you ever have any uh, high school players come ask ask you for, you know, any any private lesson or anything like that when you were subbing?
0: Not any private lessons, but, you know, tips and pointers because a lot of kids, you know, they're really concerned about college. And so they're like, you know, maybe I'm not too smart for college or maybe I'm not good, good enough to play. You know, it, it sounds like a really complicated thing, and I'm scared and stuff like that. And so I had a lot of kids come to me, baseball players, softball players, all, all sports, really. Um, boys and girls alike that would come up to me all the time and ask questions, and I'd help them out all the time. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely became a favorite. Anytime I walked on campus, you know, all the kids would come up to me and say hello and and talk about something they were doing and stuff like that and so it was a lot of fun for me and definitely a great experience for them because you know coming fresh out of college and having the experience that i have in the professional realm and you know giving them some confidence and some courage to continue on because a lot of them you know think about it as being too high of a goal because no one else in their family has ever done it before they're going to be the first and so that was a really nice experience for me to be able to give them that encouragement
1: were you uh, were you like the the cool sub who they, they would refer to you as jared or were you just mr james
0: <laughs> no i was i was still mr james but i was definitely that cool sub you know it was it was funny because i wouldn't often give my baseball cards out um to anyone and so sometimes like if the students would get real close we'd have times and i just have my doors open during lunch and so they would come to my classroom and so next thing you know it's like hey you know you want a baseball card? And he's like, yeah. And so then I give him a baseball card. Next thing you know, they're running around school talking about, Oh, I got a baseball <laughs> card. So like, I'm so cool. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it sounds like a lot yeah. of fun.
2: Now we're, we're winding down here, but what we like to do on our show to keep everything fresh and loose. And, and you've been good enough to be able to be pretty fresh and loose this whole show. We have a segment that we like to call extra innings. So we're going to start asking yeah. you questions that are completely not about baseball or anything like that. These are just going to be yeah. quick off the top. Probably questions that you've never been asked before. We're going to try to, yeah, go try to trick you up here a little bit. This is a, a brainchild of Doc, who is by far the smarter one of us. So uh, okay. with, without much further ado, Doc, why don't you go ahead and kick us off, bud?
1: All right, cool. Uh, Mr. James, I've got five, uh, <laughs> five, five questions for you. I will just kind of do a little bit of a roundtable here. Uh, first one is kind of timely for the season. Uh, what is the worst
0: Christmas song? Oh my goodness, that definitely is a huge trip up for me. Because <laughs> oftentimes I get stuck in my head and it's like, oh, doggone it there we go again. <laughs> so um, goodness gracious, um, I'm gonna have to go Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on this one.
1: Oh yeah, that's a, that's bad. Yeah, that's a bad one. Dylan, what's your worst? What's your worst Christmas song?
2: Oh man, there there are a lot of them that I'm really not fond of. As I sound like the Grinch, um, <laughs> probably White Christmas.
1: Say White Christmas.
2: Yeah, really not not and it's not like it's a bad song. I feel like it gets overplayed. So in nine thousand people have a version. So you can't play a Christmas channel without hearing that song like five times <clears> every thirty minutes.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I used to uh, I used to work at restaurants all the time, and we would, we would you know, as soon as it's November first, then then the Christmas music goes on, and uh, I heard you were absolutely right. Every everybody has recorded a version of White Christmas. Yeah, yeah. what about but you, Doc? I'm, I'm <sighs> Santa Baby is uh, has a. Like my individual hell is listening to Santa <laughs> Baby on, on repeat for the that rest of my got, life. No. That one's got all
2: the soul, though.
1: It's so. It's just. Oh, I don't know. And also, um, what's the one that's? Uh, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Is that Santa Claus is coming to town? Yeah, that is some stalker type stuff. Okay, I get what they're mm-hmm. going for here. That's weird. That like, even when I was a kid, I'm like, I don't,
0: I don't like I think- that. <laughs> I think you got a case. You might need a petition for that. That, that yeah. definitely is interesting. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. Ebenezer Scrooge over here.
1: Radio stations.
0: <laughs> but, but, all right. So second question. Uh, you
1: can only eat one type of cuisine for the rest of your life. What do you choose?
0: Okay. I'm choosing. I'm going to go with cheeseburgers. All right. That's a strong choice. All right, up,
1: there you go. Yeah. No,
2: that's a strong one. Dylan? Oh, man, ah, this is a bad question. I like so many foods. Uh, I would probably say, if I could only have one type of cuisine, I think I would probably go with the the teriyaki steak that you get at a Japanese place, the hibachi-style oh. steak. I think I could do yeah, that I mean- forever. I'd be about 400 pounds, but I think that I'd, I could do it. Oh, actually, that's I'm going to change that. I've been told furiously by my wife her shrimp and grits is the greatest food ever made, uh, and I would literally eat that breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day.
0: That's a good choice. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna beg you on that. That's good. That's a good <laughs> one. Yeah,
1: I I think I would have to go with um. My bloodlines tell me I want to go Italian food, but I think I'm gonna go Mexican food because I think the sodium levels are so high. I mean, anything <laughs> that you eat for you know two straight days you get sick of and if it's for the rest of my life then i want the rest of my life to be short so i'm gonna go with mexican food
0: just kind of in general. <laughs> yeah i mean that's a lot of variety you got burritos tacos tortas frijoles the i mean you can't go wrong i'm messing that i mean and everybody's is hey, different. everybody's is different can... so you get
2: a different flavor everywhere
0: exactly I mean, you got you got a different type of tacos Tacos, steak tacos, chicken tacos, um, tacos. or If you're really Mexican, tacos at lengua, which is the tongue of the cow, tacos de tripa which is what we would call chitlins in America. And yeah, I mean, there you go. You, got, you got variety, man. There you go.
2: Chorizo tacos. Chorizo, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. what,
0: what's something? Uh,
2: what's something simple like- that you've always wanted to learn how to do but never did?
0: Oh, man. I'll be honest with you, and this is going to sound really bad, but fluently speak Spanish is something that I I want to do badly, but it just never came to me. So when
1: you, you said that you were playing in the Dominican Republic, so how yeah. is it? So, I mean, I, I would imagine that you've got a pretty decent understanding of the language, but uh,
0: but just not not fluently. No, exactly. <laughs> so it, it'll be like I'm speaking somewhat of a Spanish but it's really chopped up. And then a lot of guys that are Dominican that speak Spanish and English would tell me, hey, you know what? Just stop speaking Spanish. It's just terrible. <laughs> just just speak English. I'm, just, I'm like, I'm, just, I'm doing my best, guys. Come on. Give me a little courtesy. Let me speak when I speak. You, you know? sound like the kid in the high
2: school Spanish class where you're going from different countries and different dialects where half of, your, half of what you're saying is Chilean Spanish and the rest is, is Mexico.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So it just doesn't work. And a lot of guys, you know, you brought up a whole another concept. We have Mexican baseball players that don't understand a lot of times, like Dominican or Puerto Rican Spanish, because the sequence of how words come out or even just different words for different meanings. Sometimes they just don't get the concept and they don't understand each other, which is something that came up to me brand new so I was like wow that's this is a whole other blogging to me I'm just trying to I don't know what Spanish I'm learning but I'm trying to learn it. So, <laughs> that's one of the things I, one of the things <laughs> I
2: figured out was that uh what you learn in Spanish class is like this weird formal dialect of Spanish that no one uses it's like it's like speaking old English it, it's just right? like every every version of Spanish they have they all speak in essentially slang so if you're not speaking that dialect you have no idea what's going on.
0: That's, that's exactly right that's it you know what about you doc but yeah
2: doc mcstuffins do you have a simple skill
1: you know um actually now now i want to learn spanish because <laughs> my month's pretty lowbrow i always wanted to, to learn how to um do a yo-yo <laughs> you, you never know? learned how to like, yo-yo. I was, I remember, Well, I remember seeing it when I was a kid, seeing people doing like walk the dog or around the world. I'd try to go around the world. I hit myself in the forehead with it and just throw it across the room. Like (laughs) if I took the time and same thing with like learning a Rubik's cube last year, I bought one. It's been sitting on my desk for 19, 20 months, and it looks exactly like it did when it came out of the box. Mm. So I got nothing. What about what about you, Dylan?
2: Have you guys ever eaten at Cracker Barrel? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you know that little board game they have—that little triangular thing with the pegs.
0: Oh yeah!
2: I always wanted to learn how to beat that. I could never get less than <laughs> two, and I would get so mad that I would like storm off and and just go sit outside, go sit in the the rocking chair, and just sit there. Uh, it, <laughs> I ne- I've to this day I've never beaten that stupid game.
1: Now that you mention it, I don't think
0: I have either. Honestly, I looked at it and never even tried. It haunts me sometimes.
1: <laughs> Those are—they're just little golf tees in the triangle, right? They—they yeah.
2: they, they say it as an IQ test. So then you always feel dumb when you don't beat it.
1: Well, they—they they use kind of hurtful language. Anything—if you got four pegs left on there, then you're an ignoramus. I mean, <laughs> that's just—that's just not nice. So, all right, so. Number four. For reasons that are not entirely clear, you have been granted a superpower. Uh what superpower
0: do you want to have? Okay. Uh I would want the superpower to erase memories. Oh. Oh my god. That's a good one.
1: That's a really good one. <laughs> Underrated. <laughs> never never thought of. Is that is there a uh, is there a superhero where that actually has that one? Because if not, then Sentry, anybody man. who's listening that can draw. Sentry.
0: <laughs> come on, Doc. You're supposed to there, be a comic book guy. In our typical superhero comics that are American, there is not. However, in Japanese comics, which are called animes, there are. Okay. Are you a uh, you big anime guy? Yeah. Yeah, huge anime guy with uh, Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, nice. Attack on Titan, One Piece. It's a man after my don't own know Heart. I do you know any of this. I, I mean, all of them.
2: I don't do One Piece, but uh, as far as all the other ones you've named, I, I pretty much love all
0: those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One Piece is more of like an extreme anime, having over a thousand episodes and counting. Successful, but as far as the other ones, especially Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z even came to the United States, was an extreme hit. I mean, I remember watching that as a little kid and keeping on going. Even Naruto, I mean, Naruto's a really nice anime. It was very thought out, drawn out. I was happy with how the shipping ended and all that. I mean, it was a really nice genre. Have you seen all of the Naruto's, or is that something that oh, you yeah. just kind of. Oh, yeah. No, I I've finished.
2: I finished. I'm into the, the new setup of it now. Uh, cause yeah, I'm, a, I'm a binge, ones, right? yeah, I'm a binge watcher. So when I start watching something like I'll power through like 30 episodes in a weekend.
0: Okay. Okay. So I'll let you in on a little secret. So the erasing memories concept came to me when I was watching attack on Titan. Okay. So I can see, so that. I don't know if you've watched attack on Titan. Have you seen that? Uh, I've seen the first season. I haven't seen the second one yet. Okay. So it really gets brought on the third season. I really don't want to spoil you on this but it's about how all the humans are living in their current societies and why they're there and why no one has an understanding about what's really going on so i can kind of give you a little dabble about it hmm. maybe we can talk about it later but
2: yeah i'll have to hit you up on that one once i get to it
0: <laughs> oh yeah i mean you'll you'll come to it and you'll just be like wow this is way too much <laughs> but yeah this is pretty good <laughs>
2: Alright Doc, what about you? What's your superpower?
0: I think I would go with invisibility.
1: That's not um, creepy at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> See, this is I took the took notes from the Santa Claus. He sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake. <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, I I think that's uh Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with invisibility.
0: Okay. That's so great. have you no. ever
1: had moments where you've really been wanting to be invisible?
0: No uh, you
1: know every every once in a while it comes up it's you know the the wanna get away type of type situation where I'm just like <laughs> you know, but i I work from home, you know what i mean so so most yeah. of, most of the time, I'm somewhat invisible anyway so um if i were if I were to go out into public and have have the same thing, it's a weird crossover between my between my worlds so uh But yeah, I think I I debated on, on flight, but, um, you know, like I said, I work from home. I I really don't have to go anywhere. So I'm not just going to go and just start flying around somewhere just because that's a waste of my superpower. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Okay. I see you. All right, Dylan, bring it home.
2: After long consideration, I think I'm going to have to go super speed, not for any noble reason, but because I would be the best athlete in the world. I would be great at every sport uh, I could essentially do whatever I wanted. Nobody could catch me. So yes, it's cheating, but whatever. I've got a superpower, and if they try to yeah. catch me, I'll just be like the Flash and run so fast that we go back in time and everybody forgets.
1: Or hey. you could you could just erase their memory.
2: Well, yeah, but that's two powers.
1: I can't do <laughs> that. True? So okay, so this is this is the final one, and since you know you've been going back and forth between. Uh, California, Georgia, Florida, Mississippi, and, and going down to the DR, I'm sure you've had plenty of experiences on uh, airplanes. So uh, my my question for you, this is one of the, the recurring ones that, that we have asked before, is what is the most bizarre or ridiculous thing that has ever happened to you on an airplane?
0: Okay. Wow. Let me think about this. This is good. So when you say bizarre, you're talking about just... Anything that happened outside of my control or anything weird? Control? Anything Just, weird. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I would say for, for some unknown reason. So I was running off of a 24 hour schedule, making some crazy things happen. And then I took some sleeping pills and <laughs> I don't remember a flight at all. Like I literally had no seatbelt recliner back I remember me and my partner. He was trying to get me, like, situated to land on the flight, and he just recalls like me. Just my body was like I was just dead weight, just like flying <laughs> all over the place. just, and just looking crazy, and then, so everybody's off of the plane, and then so finally I snap out of it. I'm awake. I'm like, oh, we're here. Oh, snap. <laughs> okay, we're let's let's keep it going, you know. <laughs> but but yeah, so that. That was, I think, probably um, the most ridiculous thing was seeing. After waking up, after taking the sleep, I got to figure out what in the world happened. I think I was just had some melatonin and some sleeping aid or something (laughs) because I was doing the most trying to make everything happen at one time. You know what? If I could take back whatever superpower I had, if teleportation can happen, I think that might also work out because I need to be a lot of places at once. And that definitely would work because hopping on a plane and trying to be going everywhere is tough. Planes are and horrible. Trying to trying to sleep on a plane is tough. So sleeping pills are a must. You gotta <laughs> have it. No <laughs> no
1: yeah, teleportation, that's that's a practical one, man. I um I couple couple years ago I was um we were flying home for uh, for Christmas, and uh, this girl took some pills. They weren't sleeping pills, though. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what they were. They were fun but time was, pills. Uh, yeah, she took uh, some type of recreational something and then drank a bunch, and then we got delayed, and she just kind of absolutely lost her mind. The <laughs> <laughs> so, my wife and I are just sitting there watching it unfold, like, this is about to happen. This is about to happen. Oh, God. Somebody get your phone, World <laughs> Star. Yeah, it's, this is happening oh, right now. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, and Dylan, you said that you you haven't really flown a ton, is that right? Not really. I've
2: had maybe like four or five flights, and they've never been normal. There's always something weird that happens. But I have had uh, I had somebody pass out, like not go to sleep, oh. but like legit pass out on me. Like oh. this person was on a plane and was apparently deathly afraid of heights, so I don't know why they flew. Um, oh, I, I I thought I was lucky because <laughs> I got the I got the window seat, so I was all all excited, and um, we get. As soon as we start speeding off for the takeoff, we go into the takeoff, going up, and just boom, just dead weight. Head drills me in the shoulder. I look over at this dude, and he's just straight passed out. Oh, my goodness. It took him a while to come to, and uh, just kind of trying to nudge this dude off of me, trying to push him over to the other person. Like I don't know how much I'm allowed to like move him. I don't know if the person next to him is like his wife or girlfriend or whatever, but I just want him off of me. <laughs> it was a it, it's it's a trip i don't uh i don't like flying
1: i actually i just i just thought of something um when i was a kid yeah i lived in lived in europe when i was a kid and this was like um we were flying home my dad was staying there to work my my mom my brother and i were, were flying back home and we we flew out of frankfurt in germany so we were on one of these massive double decker Airbus, Lufthansa planes. There's like 700 people on this flight, and my mom's nerves were completely frazzled. She she didn't want want us to uh, to go back home and leave my dad there, but it was just kind of with the work situation being what it was. It was going to be a couple months before he came home, so she was. Um, she was having some wine. I, th- I think that she ordered like an entire bottle of wine for herself. And it's like <laughs> sitting on the little tray table. The woman in front of her. And this is like one of those where it's um, two seats on either side of the window and then three seats right down the middle. My mom's like like the very center of this. OK, so this French woman who is sitting in front of her throws her seat back just like as hard as she can and spills some of the wine on my mom. And this was like the last straw. So my mom stands up and absolutely freaking loses her mind on this woman. And this woman's staring and, and me and my brother looking at each other, like I'm 10, he's 15. We're just like, what the hell is going on? Mom is losing her mind. And she's just freaking. Out. And everybody, same type of thing. Like this is happening. This is finally starting to happen. And then, you know, the stewardess has had to come over and like talk her down and everything. I forgot about that until just now. <laughs> Oh man, that's the I got we're... To watching my mom lose her mind on somebody, and it wasn't me.
2: That's the thing; everybody just dad. stays calm and quiet. So one... You don't wanna <laughs> you want to break that spell. Yeah.
1: So sorry, I hijacked the uh, I hijacked the airplane question.
2: That's a good one. I, I mean, I hate <laughs> no, that's, planes that's anyway. So like if if I could not ever have to fly again in my entire life, that would be my choice. I, I would almost rather drive like eight hours than fly on the plane. I, I really just hate flying.
0: Wow. That's a statement.
1: It's well, a nightmare. The amount, of t- the amount of time that you have to spend, you know, parking and getting through security and they want you to get there two hours early. My buddy was, uh, he was living in Indianapolis and he was going to drive back to Atlanta and he decided to drive because he, he did the math. He figured out how long it would take him to do both. And he said, at least if I'm in the car, I can keep moving. If I'm, it's too much stop and go when you're, when you're flying.
2: Wow. And getting two hours early oh, and having to get so. to the airport at three is, is just, no, nah, no thanks. I'm not going to do that. But yeah. Doc throwing out the good questions here today on the extra innings. We've got to thank everybody. We've uh, we've come up a little bit longer than we were expecting on this episode. So, Jared, thank you so much for coming on with us, man. For all those that want yeah, to follow man. you and give you a follow, throw out your Twitter handle uh, Your Twitter handle for us.
0: Yeah, hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, it would be my full name and my middle initials be – Jared underscore D underscore James, and that'll be the handle. And just to make sure, I'll hop on the Twitter just to make sure that is actually it. Because sometimes I don't. It's yep, not good. No, no it actually is arm. not. So <laughs> it's actually no underscores at all. It's capital J for Jared, capital D, capital J for James. So that'll be it there you so go that's my hat. so if anybody wants to come follow me be my guest i'm definitely right here for everyone if anybody wants to talk and uh, have a good time just talking it up i'm I'm always here so i love it so thank you guys so much for having me on i really appreciate it it's been a phenomenal time having
2: you on i hope uh, i'm sure our listeners loved you as well everybody out there listening thank you guys so much for enjoying the platinum sombrero we will catch you guys next week <laughs>
0: to play guitar play guitar play guitar play guitar oh yeah. play guitar play guitar
1: play guitar okay thanks bye